All right, let's kick it. Welcome to the Sobriety Diaries, friends. My name is Nate. I am a grateful recovering alcoholic and sober coach. My addiction has shaped the person I am today and given me the ability and voice to help others, and I simply wouldn't be here without it. Recovery is possible. The Sobriety Diaries is a video podcast where we talk to other recovering alcoholics and addicts. We hear their stories and hope to help others who may still be struggling. Head on over to the sobrietydiaries.com where you can apply to be a guest on the show and join our insiders list for early release episodes, exclusive content, and much more. Also, please share this podcast with just one person in your life who may still be struggling. You just never know what they may need to hear today. Happy Sober Day, friends. Thank you so much for downloading today's episode and spending time with me here on the Sobriety Diaries. Well, I've been teasing this one for a while on social media, and it's finally here. Lisa Lampanelli is joining us today, along with her co-hosts, Bo McDowell and Nick Scopoletti, from their podcast, Losers with a Dream. It's such a unique combination of personalities and input and something that you really don't see from three comedians, but they really go deep on the podcast. We talked today about gratitude and really the underlying cause to our addictions and how service has been huge in helping all of us really recover. Uh, Lisa has struggled with food issues and codependency issues in the past. Bo is a recovering addict and Nick, we find out, was addicted to fitness and bodybuilding and was using steroids for a period of time. So it's interesting how we can pull from each of these experiences and be able to find laughter in our shared, really shared lived experience. And that's why, you know, I wanted to name the episode today finding laughter in recovery and really focus on the recovery aspect more importantly than the addiction aspect and just showcase that recovery is possible. Uh, We can find joy again in life. We laugh a lot in this episode as you can imagine. Uh, Let's open the diary on Lisa, Bo, and Nick. Lisa Lampanelli. Jesus Christ, thank you for coming on the Sobriety Diaries. I'm so excited. I'm here with my podcast partners, Bo McDowell and Nick Scopoletti. And basically, I call them placeholders for real comics when I have a better better podcast. But for now, we're the losers with a dream. Guess who the biggest loser is? Not me. This guy. friend. I'm doing so good. I am in awe of what's happening right now. I want to start with how the fuck we ended up here. Um, and if I could. Yes. What would I like? Would you like to hear like literally how we ended up on your show? Well, I want to start with a very poetic DM that I got from one Bo McDowell. And it starts, hey, Bo McDowell here. <laughs> Like he's supposed to like, yeah, yeah, you know, the world's famous. And it came, it 
it came in that like junk column of DMs where it's like no one you ever heard of or know. And he <laughs> said, I recently launched a podcast with comedy legend Lisa Lampanelli and my friend Nick Scopes. And we are interested in coming on your show. Is that something we can chat about? Uh, fuck yeah, it is. Did a little digging and realized it was legit. And uh, that's all I know. That was a week ago today. And here we are. Well, thank you for scheduling it because the way it came about for me was that, you know, these guys, I mean, honestly, I, they're both comedians. They're both have about three years since they started. And I was talked into going to see Bo by my niece. And when it comes to nieces and nephews, I try to do anything I can, you know, to help out their friends who are charity cases. So I went (laughs) and saw him and I was like, oh my God, he's good. So then I started observing some of Nick's act and I was like, wow. And then off stage, the best part was that they have such deep conversations off stage. And I was like, okay, I have never met two straight guy millennials who actually have feelings, talk about it and aren't afraid to go deep. So I was like, let's do a podcast and I'll come on. We'll talk about one big issue every week, like acceptance or fear of success or vulnerability. And then They'll talk about the issue from their point of view. Then I'll come on and straighten them out, read them the riot act, roast them, have a good time and basically educate everyone. So yeah, it's great. It's called losers with the dream. I don't hate them yet. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> right. But I would say, oh, and the reason we contacted you, the bigger, more important thing is because I said to Bo, you're sober for what? How many years? Uh, four years. Four years, supposedly. I'm not buying it. <laughs> but he yeah. really does walk the walk. I mean, yeah. he, walk he really goes to meetings. He even does a coffee commitment. And I'm like, what's that? Like drunks need coffee? I guess they do. They do. So I know, right? And cigarettes. So um, I loved, I said, why don't you approach some of these sober podcasts? Because I would love to kind of hear their take on it. And I'd love to kind of be aligned with people who are really in keeping with our values. Yeah. Yesterday's episode hit different this morning. I listened to it and there are there are some things that are coming up for me and I'm fearful and I would love to kind of run those past you, Lisa, and ask for some guidance as well. You, you know, we, we walk through sobriety journeys here so i would love to kind of hear some from Bo. yeah absolutely man um well i mean yeah so i've been so i've been clean and sober uh four years and uh i mean in terms of the journey like you know when i decided i wanted to get clean i think i was like i thought it was like really never possible you know like um i i didn't think that like long-term sobriety was a thing you know, like everybody that I saw at like a meeting that said they had 25 years or like 30 years, I was like, you're lying. There's no way you got a <laughs> right. bottle underneath there somewhere. You, right. know, like, you just couldn't buy it. And and also I couldn't buy that they were happy too. You know what I mean? It's like, how are you going to be happy and not be boozing, not putting something in your body? But like these people were, and it was shocking. And, you know, I kind of had this bottom where it was a physical bottom. I had four ulcers in my stomach. They were bleeding. I was coughing up blood. I, uh, I was miserable, you know, a lot of depressive episodes and, uh, you know, at some point just the physical toll kind of outweighed the kind of the, the fun of drinking. Right. So I was just in too much pain all the time going through, you know, the DTs and all that stuff that we do as drunks. 
And, um, you know, I, I ended up going to a meeting and getting connected with people that were walking the walk and doing the right thing. And, um, you know, I, I showed up and I just started doing it and it took time. Um, I definitely was not like sold on it for a while. Like it took me a lot of relapses. There was a lot of like, there was a lot of talks with different people in recovery being like, you know, I, I don't know, man, this is, I don't think this is for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm miserable still because and you know, just as well as anybody, right? Like when you put down the booze or the drugs or anything that you use to, to hide these feelings, your life gets unaccountably worse the second you start living sober, right? Yes. Because, because now, now you don't have a solution, right? So yeah. I, the solution was gone. So I was miserable um, and I had no way to get out of that misery. So, well, I mean, thank God he has gambling and food to fall back. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I really feel like he's killing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, time and I think patience and I had to really, um, we talk about entitlement on the show. I really had to kind of wear down that sense of entitlement that I carried from years of just being like, everything should work out. I should always be happy. I should always feel good. Mm -hmm. And I think over time, understanding that like having the patience and, and sitting through periods of, of your life where you're not happy or where you're just in pain and just letting it happen and walking through that fear. And, you know, you, you end up picking up some days of sobriety, you start having some like clean time and then you get to help other people, which is always like the gift, right? That's truly the gift. So you know, it's, it's been a long journey, but I think that it's really probably in the early stages. If you think about it long-term, I'm pretty young, you know, yeah. 28. Yeah. I look like I'm 45. <laughs> <laughs> Calzone's doing number one. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, it's, it's, there's a long way to go. And, uh, you know, but you know, as well as anybody, it's like, you're just trying to focus on today. Mm -hmm. And today, I had a pretty good day. Yay. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. How was your date last week? My date? Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the date actually went great. Uh, <laughs> I was smitten. Yes. Yeah. I was so excited. Yep. I was finally called, in a good mood consistently. Yeah. I called her. I go, it's happening. You know what I mean? Like all excited. <laughs> And then about five days later, she goes, you know what? It'd just be nice to stay friends. And it's all about, we talk about it in one of our episodes, death of a dream. You know, yeah. like you meet somebody, you think, hey, man, this could be this. This could, I have a dream now of being with this person. And then that thing dies. And even if it's five days, it still hurts because you're like, man, I really thought that could have worked out. It's hard not to set those expectations, isn't it? Absolutely. But, yep. you know, it, it's too bad. And I did all of the, we talked about uh, active listening on that podcast. Yes. I was, yeah, you killed it on the day. I was listening. To you. Yeah. 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 I, I was listening. Uh, yeah, I was proud of you. Because, I mean, he made a huge step as far as dating goes, just to kind of, first of all, mourn the end of it, even if it's one date. It still has an end and there's a grief involved. Yeah. And also he acted better on the date. And, you know, I think those are both things that are progress. And Ultimately, I think both of these guys are brave enough 
to always talk about that they do want love. They do want kids. They don't want to, they're not bro-y, which is yeah. why I'm friends. I can't be friends with bros. Like, I, I can't don't, either. And I, well, don't. It, yeah. <laughs> By the way, yeah. Yes. I understand though that I've been hired as Lisa Lampanelli's new gay. Yes, and I just yeah. haven't received my onboarding paperwork yet or I'll send you the membership card. Okay. You can put that with your vaccination okay, uh, great. card and we're all set. <laughs> Perfect. When you get deep and and you're discussing these, you know, really vulnerable things and to your point, Lisa, it's not something that like from the outside you would expect. And it, it just really is, it draws you in and, huh. uh, I really love it. Um, Thank you. And I'm to be honest with you. I give myself full credit for that. I do too. <laughs> because, you know, interchange two straight guys here. Actually, that's not true. Cause honestly I do. It's very unique combination. I really like it. That's why I was like, Oh, if I'm going to do a project in retirement, like this is something to work on. It's really cool. Do you feel though it bleeds into personal lives too? Like, are you guys texting one another twenty four seven? Is it like a do we have a thruple here? Is it? Well, no. What's interesting is I feel like they're my special needs nephews. That no, I, no. What's weird is like I'm I have a nephew actually about Bo's age, and I'm like, oh, he's wise. Like Bo's wise, and so is my nephew. So I'm like, oh, it's the age group is really that's cool that there are those people, and. We do hang out like last night, Bo did uh, like an audition in the city for a really good comedy club. And we all drove in and supported him and stuff. And it was just so much fun. I was like, I had no idea I could be with people half my age and laugh all the way there, have a serious talk all the way there, then come home and be laughing and just having a good time. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. It's just, I think people being more open to friendships, they wouldn't necessarily imagine. Like a year ago, if you said, who are your friends going to be in retirement? I'd be like, ah, a bunch of Yentas who sit around. <laughs> and talk. And right. we're like, I'd be like, I'm, I'm with like the ugly sex in the city. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? And it's like funny to have friend, literally friends who, wow, they're young. Like it's just weird and male and straight. Like I always thought I'd only be friends with gay guys and women. Turns out there's two straight guys who aren't a pain in the con. I couldn't <laughs> Uh, you said something in yesterday's episode uh, that I can relate to and use often, and that is cunt hair. Yes. And it's just yes. like a, it's a unit of measurement, right? Yes, it is. What it is, is, and I honestly, I think I have it here. I, it's in one of my, um, in one of my desks. There's a yeah. literal thing. If you go on chr.com, okay. and I'm not kidding. There is a contour ruler for sale. <laughs> it's literally a measuring device that builders use. And it yes. makes me laugh so hard because I think I had jokes about it in my special or something. And I'm like, because you'll hear a builder at your house or a contract goes, hey, just, you know, move it over a contour. <laughs> and I'm like, that is my favorite. It's so I'm my favorite. The official thing. Uh, I saw you in Columbus, Ohio at the uh, Palace Theater a few years back and fantastic. I'm yeah. Totally- <laughs> you told it, you told it, <laughs> you told a joke about B Arthur. Oh my God. What did I say? I forgot. So, uh, something about she farted backstage and it smelled like Gina Tay. Oh, Oh, that's what I said. She's so old. That's a roast joke. I said, yeah, about yeah. Her. 
Yeah, she farted. She's so, we are there so old. She farted. I smell Jeanette. That wooden <laughs> song stays on my mind. Which, yes. by the way, yes. great joke for people over the age of 50. And I'm yes. glad you get it because you're clearly younger than that. Um, so, no, I love doing roast style jokes yeah, all the yeah. time. And oh, they, yeah, that stuff was so much fun. And B. Arthur, by the way, if I had to be a golden girl, mm-hmm. I'm her. I'm Dorothy for real. I Same. mean, Rose definitely the dumb one. That would be Rose. <laughs> and he's the whore, Blanche. You're the whore? Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> so exciting. Yes. Here's the thing about Nick that I really like. There's a lot I don't like. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. He's fucking lazy and yeah. kind of stupid. But what's great about Nick is he's super open about discussing what counts in life. And he also is so gay friendly, meaning he is not threatened. I I cannot stand straight guys who are threatened by gay guys. It makes me sick. It's Amen. Felt right to me. Uh, the, um, when I got married the second time, Jimmy Big Balls, as yeah. you know, we're yes. still friends. He loved all my gay friends. In fact, on our first phone conversation, I said to him something like, just as a test, I said, oh, my gay friend, Ron, my gay Ron or whatever. And he goes, oh, you could just say my friend, Ron. You know, I'm really comfortable with gay guys. And I was like, <laughs> okay, thank God. So that's what I like about him, especially because he just kind of goes, gives a fuck. Like, I, yeah. I really can't take that. So how big were Jimmy's balls exactly? Okay, well, I will tell you, I never <laughs> measured them. Yeah. But it was, I w- will not exaggerate, Cabernet glasses. Now, oh, as you know, okay. Cabernet yeah goes in the round one more like a small grapefruit but definitely a a large orange so somewhere in that vicinity and as a straight woman i know you gays love the balls i could never stand it it looked like that thing that the hobo ties on a stick with over the shoulder i shouldn't have to put up with any of it that's why i'm single and i'm neighbor dating again because a nutsack is definitely something to waste I like a, a good testicle, but that it seems like it's just over. Just, wait, a good testicle is an oxymoron. There's no sense. <laughs> no one cares. I disagree. Armstrong got one cut off. Disagree. <laughs> hey, can I ask you about Kathy Griffin? What do you think about all that stuff? Poor Kathy Griffin. She goes through a lot. I know. And, you know, we talk often about things like what have we brought on ourselves and what have we really truly been a victim of, you know, and the poor thing gets lung cancer without smoking. I mean, you literally did not bring that on yourself. But so I try to tweeze out with myself things I actually brought on myself and things I didn't. um, And I really feel like comics bring a lot on ourselves. You know, we kind of misbehave and then get upset when our career is canceled. We get upset when our dates go away because we do some crazy stunt and then we just got to own it and go, that was on me. And yeah, there's cancel culture. It's not good, but we have to accept as you know, life on life's terms, you got to live with the consequences of this crazy day and age. So, but anytime somebody's going through a lot, it's really, it's sad. Very sad. And to never have a sip of alcohol or never smoked a cigarette and then sort of this trauma in adulthood, I think from the backlash and the cancel culture. And I think to, we look for something to quiet, I think the inside, right. And, and it just, my heart breaks for her. I think with people like Kathy Griffin and Joan Rivers and people like that, 
And and really, if you watch the show Hacks on HBO Max, Gene mm. Smart plays a comic who's sort of like kind of struggling to stay at the top. You mistake achievement and accomplishments for self-love and it it really doesn't ever make you feel better. As someone who's reached pretty high heights as a comic and was in pretty rarefied air, no matter how many times you stay at the peninsula in your $3,000 night suite, you don't feel better about yourself. Yeah, it's fun. It's like, you know, yeah, that's cool. Or you play Radio City or whatever. And then you're just like, oh, I like myself literally no better than I did the, the, the day before. So yeah. you've got to really look at what you're doing and how you're living. And to me, the only real cure for addiction, even though I'm not an expert because I've never been a drug and alcohol person, just food and uh, codependence, is connection. Like Yohan Hari's book about connection literally is the savior. Changed my life. Right. Because yes. it's connection to people, nature, causes, yes. whatever many areas that you can connect to. I'm like, oh, that's what I got to do. So in retirement, I had a few years where I tried other careers and different things. And I was like, oh, nothing feels right unless it's connection to people and things that really matter. Not material things, but nature and things like that. And I'm like, oh, okay. So now we're getting it right. Yeah. And the thing about this podcast is this losers with the dream that I'm doing with these guys. I'm like, oh, it's because we connect, we have fun, but also we're connecting with this audience that's like, oh my God, like that resonates with me. And you feel good about that because you're helping and you're not being self serving, you know? Yes. I think alcohol for me was just a symptom of, you know, we hear that in the rooms too, Bo, a lot. I'm sure that, uh, you know, that's not something that you're hearing for the first time, but I didn't know what, uh, what it was really. And I had, I, I got sober at 32. I had a stroke at the age of 32 directly resulted from my alcoholism and ended up in the hospital. Wasn't ready to quit drinking yet, but it started this path and I went into rehab, not even knowing who I was as an adult you know, as a 32 year old man, what were my likes, my dislikes, you know, I associated my entire personality with alcohol and, and partying. And, you know, it, it, uh, I love having conversations about recovery and addiction where drugs or alcohol aren't mentioned, you know, it's that deeper issue. It's why we drink, it's quieting those voices. And, uh, I think to your point, the only way that I've been able to sustain that is by helping other people. Right. Right. And he's very good with that. Like he said, every Monday that coffee gets made. It's made, damn it. When I, 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 he did abandon me in the lurch when I needed some advice. He was supposedly asleep at 11 o'clock. <laughs> like what guy goes to sleep at 11? <laughs> but other than that, he's a very helpful guy. Nick, useless as a tit on a bull. <laughs> Couldn't care less about anybody but himself. But I'm like, okay. One of them's good. One of them's, you know, <laughs> he's, he's the one we work on. Yeah. But no, in all seriousness, they're both good because they, they really show up for people. Nick really shows up for his dad. I mean, I mean, that's tough. His father goes into the city every day for some medical stuff. And Nick's always around, like fucking driving him. I'm like, oh my God, like kill me. Yeah. So I think I like the service aspect of, wow, that kind of made maybe made somebody's day it's kind of cute it's nice yeah <clears throat> can i run something past you me or them because they're used everybody to okay i'll here. take it from here a bit <laughs> <laughs> so 
we've had some success with the podcast and I've talked to some sort of mentors, I guess, in the podcasting, the recovery podcasting arena. And I'm thinking about focusing on addiction and recovery specifically in the queer community and sort of transitioning to uh, that and, and, and telling, you know, the sobriety diaries, stories of recovery from a queer perspective or in the queer community or something in which I can like lend a voice to both. But I have this fear, which is why the episode hit, hit me this morning when I was doing my yoga. It's just, it's my alienating people that have become a fan of the show. Am I, uh, limiting my, you know, reach or whatnot? Or do I follow this sort of voice and my gut and go with it? You already know the answer. So <laughs> because you don't even need any of us to say yeah. yes to do this because you clearly know you, you're supposed to be doing it because it wouldn't come up in your gut. You, I always say, I hate hell. Yeah. You know, those people who go, um, it's not a hell yeah. It's such an Instagram yeah. piece of shitty advice. Stupid. It's not a hell yeah. I'm not doing it. Well, you know, you're a fucking cunt who like decides to do the same crazy <laughs> shit. It always is. It's a habit. It's a bad habit. That's why it's a hell yeah. Yeah. You have a deeper knowing that's crazy. gut. So you're just like, okay, I know I'm supposed to do this and it's fear that's holding me back. And I think in my book, I would rather have a thousand dedicated fans who love me because I'm being fully that thing than 10,000 who are kind of half in and I'm only half doing what I think I'm supposed to. So, you know, already you're supposed yeah, to do it. Right. It's just getting past the fear of um, whatever it is you're scared of. Yeah. I also think, um, you know, the good, a good thing that I always ask myself is, am I being of maximum service? Mm-hmm. Right. And you have a very unique experience, right? Your experience is not just being an addict. You have an experience of, you know, being in the queer community. So if you were to not use that experience, then you're hindering yourself from helping people, right? So yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think that there's, I don't think that there's anything wrong with, with maximizing your story to help others. That's a great point. And, you know, there, I mean, there's gay meetings, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's an indication that, wow, if that's something that already exists, this is a path you want to take. You could do something funny. Like you could devote five minutes of podcast to some straighty issue and just make a funny sequence out of it. Okay. Kind of keep people interested. Right. Or you could just be like, yeah, I'm going to go full, is my expression is, you go full bush. You fucking <laughs> go full bush into the gay. Yes. As long as you air us because we're straight. But no, I think we all know what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And fear of success is tough because it's that whole like, oh, how much will my life change if I really succeed? It might be like, oh my God, the stakes will get really high and I'll have to bit of do to my little calm life or it'll be like fear of failure oh suppose this thing bombs and the thing is i always think i mean i've had a lot of bombs in the past few years i'm like oh i would if i allow myself to grieve over it and move on then i'm like oh that was a success even though it was a failure do you know what i mean yeah 
there's this, you know, there's this imposter syndrome too, where it's like, what do I have to offer these people where I know, you know, I've fucking lived this shit and can at least offer my own story, which is like the most helpful thing that we can do in recovery. But it, I can't help, but it, it creeps in, you know. I know it's going to sound super cliche, but who are you not to do this? Like, how dare you keep this from other people? So it's a selfishness if you look at it. Because you're like, suppose you were the guy who's like, I'm never telling my story again. I'm like, that's a dick move. So who <laughs> aren't you to write the book or to do the album or to, you know, write the song or whatever it is? And it's like, oh, okay, I'm not the best. I'm not the worst, but I have something to say. I think the problem is it's comparison a lot too. It's like, well, I'm not insert sober guy here who's famous. I'm not Yohan Hari, so who am I? Well, I'm a guy with a story and it's valid and let's see where it takes me. You know, it's just kind of pushing through. I seek this external validation too. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, Which is you're, talking why to, you're talking to three people who have to literally yeah. make people captive, like strangers. How? Yeah, people we don't even know. Yeah, we gotta want, get them to love us. And not even that. We pick the one profession where the freaking people are like, if they even move, we're allowed to call them out. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so basically, capture a bunch of people, put them in a room. They are forced to listen to us. So. I mean, <laughs> It's it's and provide that instantaneous validation. Yeah. That laughter. Right. Yeah. And what's great is I felt I didn't need it anymore because thank God I discovered, you know, I didn't want to do it anymore. So I didn't want it to appear less joyful. So that's why I retired from it. But I super get the call of it and the pull of it. I understand why people do it. But I do not understand how people stay in stuff they're miserable, excuse me, miserable at. But they don't learn the lessons that I did, I guess. And they don't get out before they are sad and miserable people. How was your time with Donald Trump? Weird, weird, <laughs> because, yes, because <laughs> miserable. no, he, I was lucky enough that I did the roasts of Trump and the apprentice before it was insane. To right. Deal with right. And even after the apprentice, like Eric Trump used to text me and be like, Oh, you know, can you do this benefit for St. Jude's? And like, I'm not going to say no to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. That's right. like clearly evil to not do that. And I was like, oh, I'll do that. And um, uh, then everything went off the rails. But, you know, with everything with Trump, I clearly don't agree with like literally anything he says. Anything. <laughs> but, I, but during the roasts and The Apprentice, I was like, well, him saying he wants to be president is kind of like the little kid who says they want a pony for Christmas. It's not going to happen. Right. And then the craziness started. I mean, at the time he was saying, I'm going to buy the New York Mets and I'm going to do this and that. I'm like, great for a bankrupt guy. Enjoy your no money. <laughs> right. But so at the time it was all a joke. But thank God, you know, after that, the texts stop. And I only got one text from a Trump in the last four years, which was Eric Trump just going, miss you. American flag, American flag, American flag. And oh, so I call my manager, I go, what the fuck? And she goes, just answer back and go, hi, hope you're well. And then that's it. She goes, but don't delete the number because you don't want them to sneak up on you again. So it was, it got diffused. It wasn't anything bad, but boy, oh boy, nutty, right? Yeah, completely. I just read a book called The New Retire Mentality. There's, I have been searching for a book 
that doesn't talk about financial retirement because I have a financial guy. That's not what I need. But the adjustment you have to make to retirement, which is, do you have a lack of purpose? Do you have a lack of meaning? The stuff that comes up like, oh my God, I'm spending all this money and no money's coming in. No matter how much money you have, it looks weird. Like you're going, wow, what am I going to do? Your scarcity kicks in. So no, I was doing a bunch of stuff that I tried and didn't enjoy. And then I was like, oh, I just want to do nothing for a while. So for a year, I literally forced myself to do nothing. And that was during the pandemic. And I found I was downsizing from a big house to a small one, downsizing my friendships that weren't working, decluttering my house. I got rid of 90% of my stuff. I like totally minimized things. And I was like, wow, I really want to minimize activity. So I don't do anything that just doesn't feel joyful and fun. And that doesn't mean... um, you know, it's not serious stuff, but it's joyful. Like I volunteered at a place the last two weeks and I didn't find the second time joyful. So I was like, well, that's not right for me. So with coaching, I was like, oh, it's not right for me to do individual stuff because I'm not really good at waiting patiently for people to make (laughs) their own changes. I was like, you're idiots. (laughs) I was like, with the podcast, it's like the coaching techniques that I learned, at least it helps but I don't have to sit there waiting for people to change. And also you can just accept people as they are. So yeah. So basically now I kind of do the podcast, the occasional storytelling show when I want, and they kind of just live and have fun and have friendships. Thank goodness. I love that. Um, Bo, I was hoping that you would wear your crop top today, but (laughs) yeah, we were all thrilled with that. I was like, dude, how does he keep that? You know, he should have had me over there to say, that's disgusting. But you know what? At least he got rid of stuff. I don't know what he got rid of, but I know his mother found a thong. I, mean, I don't even want to know about that. It was next. Yes. Yes. Sometimes you just, I think that if, if like, you know, your closet is a mess or your room or your apartment is a mess, then you, it's easier for you to feel like you're a mess. And uh, it definitely like, you know, it was with anything, you just eventually hit a bottom. I had not cleaned my uh my closet in years and i had no plan to start cleaning and then all of a sudden you look at it and you're like hey man like we just gotta do something so you know it's kind of the same way i ended up getting sober it's like i didn't plan on getting sober but all of a sudden that day comes and you go all right i can't do this anymore i like to hit a bottom every now and again but right a sloppy one a sloppy one you know what's wild too though What's great about our show and these guys and definitely me, we're not nailing it all the time. We are not fixed. And I think any coach or shrink who tells you they're fixed run the fucking other way. (laughs) Right. They're a douchebag. I mean, people who are even famous shrinks admit to still working their stuff out and still go to therapy. So I just started therapy three weeks ago with this trauma therapist because I didn't have thank God, any traumas with a capital T, just a lot with a small T. And I was like, okay, let me finally get to this at this age. You know, you get to a certain point where you go, well, I got to go deeper. This is in, like it's contained within you. So I don't think it'll ever stop. I think I'll be 80, 90 years old and still going, okay, I want to unearth that and work on that. So that's why I like the podcast because we don't present it like we have all the answers. I mean, even me, who is rich and famous and, you know, killing it. Killing it. (laughs) And beauty. And gorgeous. (laughs) 
Let's talk about gratitude. Bo, what are you gra- what are you grateful for today? Today in this moment on Tuesday. I'm do my list right now. Better be me, you <laughs> fucking asshole. Yeah. Okay. Yes. yes, I'm very grateful for the two of them. But um, me like more. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, no, I'm no, I, no, I am. I'm, I'm very grateful uh, for both of them. And, you know, Lisa and, and just the, um, I don't know, the ability to like be present here and listen and like, you know, the, the fact that I have, uh, you know, a clean closet at home is pretty good too. You know what I mean? But uh, I would say right now I'm just grateful. Like my, I have no health problems. I have. Uh, <laughs> They're coming. My, my anxiety is pretty well like under control today. He's very calm today. He's wearing all white too. He looks like he just got out of P. Diddy's white party. That's man. right. Yeah, it's, it's pretty really embarrassing. Thank God we're in Connecticut yeah. where it's classy. Yeah. <laughs> Labor Day's coming. <laughs> just and, testing out the threads, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah, and, and I, you know, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. And, um, you know, like I said, the anxiety has been under control. Uh, which is great. You know, I, I spend a lot of days very anxious or, you know, days where I feel very depressed. So like just to be like even keel today and be like, you know what? I had a great show last night with some friends. Today I'm talking to you. It's going to be a good day. Yeah. So, yeah. What about you? What are you grateful for? Oh, shit. I am. I'm grateful that uh, this is happening and uh, I am grateful. So I bought a, uh, I bought a little camper not long ago, and I am heading out to the wilderness tomorrow for a long weekend with my family. And Cute. yeah, so yeah, I'm grateful for that. The weather's supposed to be beautiful. Uh, I have a little asshole chihuahua that's coming with <gasps> me, and he'll get to fucking chase everyone Mine's around. Mine's asleep over there. <clears throat> so is he. His name's Dash. I don't know where he is. Aw, cute. Where are you located? You where's your home? Columbus, Ohio. Oh, you are still in Columbus. Yeah. Columbus? You do? I love well, I used to go to the Arnold Classic. Yes. (laughs) You're like, yeah, we know, bro. Yeah. (laughs) You used to like like lift and shit. That was my problem. Got it. It was just body image stuff, taking steroids at a young age. I never thought I had like any when we had to do our addiction episode, I literally had to reference to Bo. I'd be like, hey, was yeah. this... Does this mean... Uh, yeah. Like, was it, yeah. explain what that is? Because when you think of addiction, immediately everyone goes to, you know, like, food, drugs, or alcohol, right? Like, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I didn't really... I wasn't addicted. And then we started talking about it. And I was like, oh, yeah. I definitely, <laughs> definitely was. <laughs> definitely had a problem there. You know what I mean? I mean, something should have tipped you off when you were shooting a needle into your vein. But, you know... <laughs> Right. Pumping iron. Uh, let's talk about the the tanning, the self tanning that goes along with that. Man, that's you want to talk about? You say I'm like you know you referenced before. I'm pretty open and comfortable with stuff. Yeah. Imagine this is literally what happened. I was just wearing a sock. Ew. In a cabin <laughs> in Vermont, my friends were just painting me. Well, that sounds like a gay weekend. Yeah, right. And I was like, that's why I'm very cut. Like, I don't, no one cares. You know what I mean? Like, you know, my friend everyone was like, yeah, who, yeah, no one cares. My dad walked in on it once when I was doing a job. <laughs> and he just looked at me and he goes, 
He left tomorrow and gives me a hug. And then he's just like, well, <laughs> but did you find it really weird that he jerked off? I think. <laughs> <laughs> His father's always it was our Christmas card that year. <laughs> Lisa, what are you grateful for? Well, what's funny is I used to always say about 10 years ago, I'd be like, I suck at gratitude because I was always so negative And I was just always like, oh, I don't know. What do I even have? Like, it's so fucking stupid. Like, it's so hard. And then it started just coming up naturally. It was very weird. There was a big shift when my dad got sick and he passed away. And he was like my person. He was like my favorite person ever. We were super close. And I remember I'd be out like watering the plants and I'd be like, oh, I'm so lucky. Like, it would come through my head. Oh, my God, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. And I'm like, oh my God, gratitude just got easier because I wasn't forcing it. I was just noticing. I think that's why I retired because I started to notice life. And when you notice when you're not happy and you get rid of the things that don't make you happy. So now it's so much easier with gratitude. What aren't I grateful for? Like even a failure and going, oh my God, thank God that old podcast failed because I could be on this one. Or thank God um, I you know, bumped into the idea of ballroom dancing and I take it twice a week and it's fun. And I sweat with the gays and we have a good time. Like my, <laughs> yeah. my teachers, this gay guy who's amazing. So it's just like, literally there's nothing that I could think of that isn't good to be in my life. You know, it's very weird. It's a huge shift for me from five, 10 years ago. You attract what uh, you deserve or think that you deserve, right? Right. Well, I think, too, a friend of mine said in Buddhism, they say something like gratitude and resentment can't coexist. Yes. And I had so much resentment. I don't even know why. It's probably childhood stuff and entitlement. And we grew up very basic, like lower middle class, like dad and mom each had a job. We didn't have fancy, a lot of fancy stuff, but we were definitely had white privilege and we we're definitely privileged. But it's like, wow. I really had a lot of anger about stuff that was it. I resented this past. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, the minute you start taking all that stuff out, you can be grateful, but not till you take that out. Mm. Well, guys, I mean, I don't want to take up any more of your time. Listen, you had a terrific time with us. I can tell. <laughs> I did. No, you're amazing. This was really cool. I'm so grateful you had us on. And again, it's just such a night and day way to live in gratitude. And, you know, I'm glad you showed up in our lives. Thank you. I mean, I, I don't even know how to express my gratitude for this. Can I tell you one way you can do it? Please. Plug our podcast. Okay, you know I will. Come because on. by the way, make no fucking money from it. I don't know why I'm even doing it. Because, you know, <laughs> even if it becomes a huge success, I'm giving all these money to these fucking idiots because I'm rich already. <laughs> so people should listen to our podcast. It's yes. called Losers with a Dream. Follow at Lisa Lampanelli and these two fucking idiots. And uh, totally subscribe. You'll like it. It's deep but funny, which is literally my vagina. Deep but funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Out. New episodes every Monday, right? Yep. New Monday. Yep. Okay. I'll link everyone's info and social and, and all that good stuff in the show notes. Lisa, Bo, Nick, thank you so much for your time. Pleasure was mine. Um, answer my DMs, okay? No, constantly. I always do. And by the way, I look forward to when you launch your days only podcast because I know you can do it. Get the fear out of there. Feel the fear and do it anyway, you little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) 
okay, we the, we can't end on a more perfect note than that. Uh, Lisa Lampanelli, I appreciate you. Love you, my friend. We'll talk Losers, soon. see you later. <laughs> Bye, honey. <laughs> Bye. Okay, holy fuck, that just happened. Uh, Lisa Lampanelli, Bo McDowell, and Nick Scopoletti. Losers with the Dream podcast. Check it out. New episodes every Monday. I'll link everything again in the show notes. And I think focusing on gratitude and being able to find laughter again in recovery is important and something that has, you know, helped me evolve and strengthen my recovery. So I hope that you heard something that resonates with you as well. Thanks so much for listening today, friends. You can find all things podcast related and subscribe to our show at thesobrietydiaries.com, youtube.com slash Nate Kelly, where we upload today's video podcast and on Instagram at the sobriety diaries pod. Check back every Wednesday and every Sunday for new episodes. But until then, try your best not to drink and be good to yourself. Bye, friends.